Carroll bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davy Carroll. Could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! Welcome to the Christmas episode of Ringing the Blues. On the show this week, we have all the action and reaction from Wickham's trip to Oxford. Luton Town fan and friend of the show, Justin Dealey, gives an indication on what life is like in the Championship. We get an update on the Wickham Wanderers' boat in the Cayman Islands. Plus, we hear from Namdi Offerbore. But first, Santa's sleigh is on its way to Mexico City. and we're also jingling the bells because this is a Christmas edition of Ringing the Blues from Mexico City. My amigos call me Uri and here are the results for League One. Killingham 3, MK Dons 1, Blackpool nil, Shrewsbury Town 1, Bolton Wanderers 3, Southend United 2, Bristol Rovers nil, Peterborough United nil, Burton Albion 3, Rochdale 1, Coventry City 1, Lincoln City 0, Doncaster Rovers 1, Accrington Stanley 1, Oxford United 1, Wickham Wanderers 0, so sad. Portsmouth 1, Ipswich Town 0, Rotherham United 2, Fleetwood Town 2, Tranmere Rovers 1, AFC Wimbledon 0. And now it is moment for Uri's speech on Christmas Day. Yes, just like the Queen. My amigos, it has been an amazing year of ups and downs. A wonderful end to 2019. The future, my amigos, looks potentially bright with our new American owners. We think of those in League Two at this time of year. Colchester and Plymouth, our prayers are with you. Happy Christmas! Happy New Year! Feliz Navidad! Feliz Año Nuevo! And a potentially promotion year on 2020! Back to the UK with my amigo Phil Catchpole. This is Uri, ringing the blues from Mexico City. Wickham Wanderers made the short trip up the M40 and it was a tough afternoon. Here's what happened. It's a local derby for us and uh, and we uh, we've got to be we've got to be on you know firing on all cylinders to, to get something out of this game because I watched them uh, against Man City they they did really well and uh, in recent weeks as well I know they've, they've probably had a little hiccup in the last couple of league games but barring that they were on a tremendous run and uh, scored a lot of goals. Uh, you know, very fluid going forward. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we uh, we stop that. Um, we don't want to let them get in any flow, and uh, 
and we want to we want to try and impose what we do on, on teams as well. So you know, with uh, with a variety of ways of playing that we've got, we we uh, we're going to obviously try something and uh, and see what they uh, they come back with. Brannigan goes for goal, beaten away by Allsop, second save from Allsop, third is not, and it's in the back of the net, and Wickham's resistance is finally broken, and the Oxford leader, the Kassam, Ryan Allsop, saved the first two, but not the third. And now there's a real coming together here. Things are starting to heat up here at the Kassam. Oxford with the lead, and now there's a crowd of players around the ref. And there's pushing and shoving, and Akinfen was in there, and he's already been booked. And this could be trouble for Bayo Akinfen, he's off. Wickham down to ten men. Unfortunate, you know, Rocky's made two really good saves there and uh, and, and they've, they've put a ball in the goal. They're, they're a good side, they're a very good side, but um, so are we. And I was so proud of the performance, you know. Um, you know, there's some major incident in the first half there. I, I believe, if you watch it again, I think that the tackle on Scotty Cashkit warrants a red card. Um, and I think they've goaded Akin Fenwith to, uh, to get him sent off. And, and it's part of the game. Um, Bale's really gutted that he reacted. But if you're going to gold someone, it's, it's not nice, you know. And, uh, but, you know, apart from that, we, uh, we defended absolutely brilliant. unbeaten run comes to an end at the Kassam. Here's what the Oxford United fans thought of the game. Ram. Bad, bad day for modern football that the M40 parked the bus on top of the league at Christmas. However, unlike buses, the chairboys have arrived at the destination far too early and are in fact just keeping it warm for us in May. Another wide man. Wickham are an anti-football club. Hideous. Why anyone would want to watch them at home, let alone away, is beyond me. Terrible, terrible advert for the beautiful game. Yellow River. It's games against sides like Wickham when Mackie and Machino really show their worth to the team. Experienced pros who are not intimidated or bullied and will give Wickham a bit of their own medicine back if need be. We were much the better side before the sending off and for the remainder of the first half. In fairness to Wickham, I thought they defended well in the second half and I was impressed with both their fullbacks. And you can see why they don't concede many goals though. I wouldn't want to watch their style of football every week, though. <laughs> G.H. Back in Fenwood, didn't want to play on Boxing Day, did he? <laughs> now we can have all the turkey he wants. Big Crumpy. As melees go, that was a storm in a teacup, and, and Machino was horizontal and on the floor within two microseconds for no good reason that I can discern. Fortune has favoured Oxford there. 
Coming up later, we hear from Namdi Offerbore, plus we have that reality check from the Championship. Back in those sunny days of August, we heard about Ross the Wickham fan, who snuck a trip into Adams Park whilst moving house from the Cayman Islands to Norway. He had a light and dark blue quarter boat back in the Caymans that he was hoping to sell. But what happened to it? Was it sold or no sale? I thought I'd surprise him with a phone call to find out the latest. Ross, it's Phil from Ringing the Blues. How are you? Hey, hi, Phil. Great to hear from you. Yeah, mate, I'm doing well, thanks. Now, sorry for the surprise phone call, but I was at the Wickham game uh, last week uh, against Burton, and a a Wickham fan came up to me very nicely and said how much they enjoyed the podcast, and they really wanted to know, had you sold your boat? And I said, well, do you know what? That's a really good question. Why don't we ring Ross up next week and ask him? So here we are. Ross, the big question, have you sold your boat in the Cayman Islands? Well, Phil, let me say, the, the deal is almost done. It's pretty much a mirror image of, uh, of what's happening with our beloved Wanderers right now. Uh, the boat's called the Wanderer, and believe it or not, there's an American investor who's wanting to take it over and, uh, and fix it up to, uh, well, I guess, championship standard, really. You're joking. No, this is absolutely true. He's an American guy. He, uh, he owns the house right next door to where the boat's parked. And uh, and he got in touch and uh, and said that he wanted to take it over. So uh, so hopefully I'm going to be uh, in England now for the for the couple of uh, of games uh, just after Christmas, and um, and then I'll arrange with some friends who are there to uh, to do the deal uh, back in uh, back in the Caribbean. This is incredible. So Gareth Ainsworth is steering the promotion love boat at Adams Park into the championship. <laughs> with potential American owners as well at the club, and your life seems to mirror what goes on at Adams Park, regardless of where you are in the world. I love this story. This gets better and better. <laughs> yeah, Phil, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how things work. What can you say? I mean, uh, for, for us as a, as a club and as a, as a team, it's, uh, it's looking good, uh, you know, as you know, top of the table and, and flying and, and with great hope for the... Uh, to the Louisiana um, lawyer Rob Kuhig, and uh, and we'll we'll see how it, it all goes there, and we'll see how it goes uh, with the boat, with um, with getting some investment in that to to take it up a level. Now Wickham have obviously done their due diligence on the Kuhigs. The fans have got to know them, and, and all is well. Uh, have you done the same with these guys? Have, are their intentions for the Wanderer uh, as you'd want them to be? Well, listen, Phil, I did have to uh, lay down the law with one thing before any sale went through, and that was that they weren't allowed to change the colours. It's always going to be quarters. 
dark and light blue. That's the Wanderer. That's the Wanderers. Uh, some things just aren't for sale, Phil. <laughs> well, you can count yourself lucky. You didn't need 75% of the Wickham Wanderers legacy members to approve the sale of your boat because you might never have got there. Indeed, Phil, indeed. But I'm a little bit sad to uh, to see it go, really. You know, it, it, it's almost like the dream, just like the dream of, of, of fan ownership. But as we're seeing more and more clubs need the investment and, uh, and, and reality, we've just got to get the, down to the reality of the numbers, really. So I'm, I'm personally glad that the, uh, the sale's gone through. I have uh, great faith in the, the Cohigs. I actually uh, met Pete uh, the other day uh, when I was in England and, uh, and, and had a, a very good chat. So I, I have the utmost faith in the team. Well, there we are. Ross, we have to ask you this question as well because you are an, an international man of mystery uh, for Wickham Wanderers. Uh, you've just picked up the phone randomly. Where are you in the world today? Well, right now, Phil, I'm uh, in Oslo. I'm looking out the window here. There's, uh, there's not a lot of snow on the ground, probably, uh, probably just a light covering there. But, um, but what happens is it's turned to ice underneath. So occasionally I'll look out and see somebody literally skating down. We saw each other last in August when we originally found out about the boat. I know you like to keep up to speed with Wickham Wanderers. Uh, you've, you've had a few trips back to Adams Park since then, is that right? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so I took my, my lady friend over for the Sunderland game, which was, uh, which was ex- and past that. I'm not sure if that's the last one I've gone to, but I'm uh, in the final discussions whether I can get uh, the time just after Christmas free to, to go over there for, uh, for the couple of games at Adams Park after Christmas. So fingers crossed for that. And uh, and that'll that'll tie everything up nicely. Now, regardless of where Wickham fans are in the world, Wickham Wanderers are top of League One, seven points clear going into the Oxford game as we make this phone call. Wickham fans are having to start to believe, aren't they, Ross? What's what's your stance on where Wickham can end up this season? Well, Phil, I, I think so. I think it's it's been harder of, as I've heard you interviewing uh, Gareth Ainsworth. There, uh, you know, he's had to come over to say, well, if we believe every game and we take every game as it comes. There's no reason why we can't go out, uh, go up, especially with the uh, the new investment and the feeling around the club. I, I think, I think, as I say, Gareth's done an amazing job there as as manager, and he's really got the team firing on all all cylinders, as he has done for the for for the you know the five year plan, and and now we're into a, a new chapter of Wickham's history, really. I can only see positive things, and I think it's quite amusing hearing sometimes the uh, the opposition fans saying, "Well, they might get up, but they'll go straight back down." Well, hey, we've never been in the championship. It'll be an absolute pleasure to be playing all those teams, and and not the the smaller teams like Sunderland, but uh, you know, even bigger and better things. Oh, I can feel the burn from Norway from here. Those poor Sunderland <laughs> fans, Ross. Well, it's great to catch up with you. We wish you a very happy Christmas, and oh, it's very Christmassy, no doubt in in Oslo. Have a great time and we look forward to seeing you back at Adams Park in the new year. Thanks very much, Phil. It's great to hear your voice and uh, Merry Christmas to all the Wanderers out there and, and have a have a beautiful time and really, really get behind the team this Christmas. I'm glad to hear we're sold out at Oxford and I hope we can uh, we can get more and more people into Adams Park and start to, to fill the park as well. Hatters, hatters, what a great team Show the others that we are the cream. 
top of the table at Christmas, Adams Park is buzzing and people are starting to believe in the unbelievable. The championship may be a silly little dream for some of us still, but what is life like for a newly promoted team in the fifth biggest league in the world? Well, I spoke to Luton Town fan Justin Dealey and asked him just what the waters are like in the championship. It's different, it's it's stressful, there's lots of money floating about, but it's good. I think when you get there, you realise just how big and how competitive that league is, but at the moment we're just outside the relegation zone and that will do for me. Fourth from bottom in May, that's surely the target, yeah. right? I mean, at the moment, we are 21st. Uh, we're two points outside of the relegation zone. And for Luton, with, and to use it, an Ainsworth quote, budget, very low budget, <laughs> um, to have such a low budget in that league w- with all the other teams, just to finish above the relegation zone, that, for me as a fan, that is all I expect this season. Luton last season ripped League One to shreds. Yep. Unbelievable football, a big budget in League One and you've struggled this year, That the, the step seems absolutely massive. It, it is huge, and people talk about that jump between the Championship and the Premier League. It's, for me, it's, it's far bigger going from League One to the Championship, but if Wickham get up, I think they will get up. A bit like Luton, the way that they'll survive is, is actually on home form, because nobody likes going to Kenilworth Road. Wickham hated going to Kenilworth Road. It's a pretty intimidating place. If you've got the fans on board, you're going to pick up more points. And if Wickham do go up, that, that will, for them, probably what will keep them up because teams are not going to want to go to Wickham. It's, it's not your stereotypical championship football stadium. That will get you an extra 10 points a season, I would say. I remember the odd trip to Kenilworth Road that, that went OK, but maybe that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's enough of those, mate. Enough, yeah, yeah. In terms of signings and stuff, Luton didn't do a huge amount yeah. to the squad, did they? They didn't, and it's, it's again, very difficult. And, and this is something that, that Wickham will um, find as well if they get up this season. Luton and Wickham aren't going to be able to pay 10 or 15 grand a week. You look at some of the players in the Championship playing for Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough are struggling this season. They will have players on 15, 20 grand a week in the championship. How can the teams like Luton and Wickham compete? They can't. The only way they can compete is by having players that, that have got a point to prove and also having the fans on side. So any team that goes to that ground, they just don't want to be there. Akin Fenwell in the championship. Can you see it <laughs> happening? Well, I mean, Akin Fenwell, when he was released by Wimbledon, I thought that was it. I, I don't think any of us really saw him doing what he's doing now. He's doing an amazing job for Wickham and he's, he's if Wickham go up, he's got every right to be there next season. He's, he's there on merit and I think that there's lots of people that would love to see him. I would love to see him in the championship roughing up some of those defenders. I'd love that. And if Wickham do the unbelievable and get up and, and Luton also stay up, which we very much hope they do, would you be looking forward to a trip to Adams Park next season, Justin? <laughs> Um, are you talking about the traffic or the football? Both. The, the traffic, absolutely no. The football at Wickham, I mean, look, you, come on, look. Wickham have done well. Oh, God, <laughs> you're going to hate me for this. Wickham have done well. And, and Ainsworth, this is why I respect him, because he's got a team of players and he plays a certain way to get good results. Remember Sam Allardyce years ago, when Sam Allardyce was having a go at the West Ham fans, and he said, right, you want to play pretty football? That's great. We'll be in the championship. Play my way and will stay up. The football at Wickham, when I have been, I've not enjoyed it that much. <laughs> but that goes back to what I was saying earlier on. You go to that sort of environment, and it's, it's tough. And if Wickham go up, I think a lot of teams will find it incredibly tough to go and play at Adams Park. I really do. 
Well, Luton never lost at uh, Adams Park in their history. I did see a clip the other week of the Luton Town goalkeeper, for want of a better term, shithousing, wasting time. And I thought, I can't believe who, who the, that be? the puritanical fans of Luton in, endorsing this. Sorry, mate, I haven't seen that video. <laughs> I think it was Simon Sluger. Our record signing for £1.5 million. He made about 10 mistakes. That was probably the only good thing he did in the opening 10 games. I think that was away at Blackburn. But sometimes, as we all know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get a result. We're 2-1 up away at Blackburn. It's the last minute. He was wasting time. We got three points. It could be those points that keep us up at the end of the season. Well, Justin, on that note, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> Thank you. Fred, Alfie Mawson, Dominic Gape, Aaron Pierre, Jason McCarthy, the list goes on. All of these club legends began life at Adams Park on loan. And one of this season's influx of bright young things is Namdi Offerball. And I asked him how things are going for him in South Bucks. It's been a good start. It's been tough, obviously, with learning how to play professional football and finally getting into it. And obviously, it was a... The first game was good, and then obviously I got a red card, so it wasn't it wasn't the best. But obviously it's just just learning from everything and just moving forward. So I'm just really happy to be getting some minutes for the boys. You say learning to play professional football. You're in the academy at Bournemouth. So, what are the the big lessons you've learned since since pulling on the Wickham shirt? Um, I think in academy it's more based on performance. I think here it's more of a results business. I think it's a lot different. Like sometimes, especially Wickham, we don't play. There'll be some games we don't play the best football, but we end up grinding out a result, and, and that'll probably be the be- better thing than playing well and getting battered. So I think um, it's just probably just learning the difference, really. So, yeah. As an academy player, you're coming into a dressing room for the professionals who've been playing in the lower leagues most of their life. How difficult was that for you? Um, I'd say it took a while to adapt. Um, it wasn't the easiest, obviously, because I'm used to being with, especially boys that I've been with for four or five years, a lot of my friends that we were together in the academy for a while. So um, to come into a new group, a group that's probably more experienced than me, um, way more, some, some that are way more experienced than me, so it was just probably just learning anything I can and just being like a sponge and just adopting everything to my game. So, yeah. You mentioned the red cards. I remember watching it. You looked absolutely distraught. Uh, what was going through your mind then? Because obviously second game in the Wickham shirt. Um... I didn't think the tackle was that bad, to be honest, at first. And um, I probably thought I got the ball. That was probably what what was the worst thing, because I, I thought I got a little touch on the ball, which the ref probably couldn't see from his angle. And when I look back at it, it probably did look bad. It, it looked a lot worse from, from where he was standing, so I kind of understood what he was going through. But um, it was just a thing where I thought I let the boys down, because it's not just me that, that feels it. It's, it's everyone. The team feels it. They have to work harder now, because we've got 10 men. But obviously the boys did a job, and they obviously helped me get through it and won that game and won the games following that. So, yeah, it was really good. Got your first goal as well. A Wickham fan worked it out. I'm not sure how accurate this is. They reckon that ball was travelling about 88 miles an hour. I didn't put my foot through it, so, you know, <laughs> um, if that's right, then, boy, I'm, I'm happy for that. But, obviously, if I can get some more and help, obviously, the strikers and attackers get more, then I'll be more than happy, so, yeah. So, you're rolling the team, defensive midfielder against Burton. You can also play centre-back, is that right? Um, yeah, I can do a job there. I don't really like to tell people that just in case the gaffer gets any ideas. But um, yeah, 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 I can I can do a job there. But right now, any anyway, the gaffer tells you tell me to play right back, left back if you want to put me up front because I think I could do a job up front. But if you want to put me up front, then I'm willing to do that for the team. So yeah. And from Premier League Bournemouth to, to League One Wickham, when you first got the call, did you think you may maybe coming into a a table topping promotion contending club? Um, at the time, I knew that. 
Wickham were interested and I knew that Wickham were flying at the time, so I thought there was a point where there was a little bit of, like, there was nothing really going on, so I thought maybe it weren't going to happen, maybe it was going to happen, but um, just to come to a team that's that's pushing for promotion and being involved at that top is just electrifying, really, because it's like um, you play 21s and, and nothing's really happening when you're just playing games for the sake of it, and now every single game matters, like especially this one on the weekend, which will be a big one, and we got a big couple games coming up, so, yeah, I'm just buzzing, I'm just happy. Yeah, so we'll see. And you said tough coming into a, a professional changing room, but I've seen the clips on Instagram. I've seen how you are with the group now. I mean, you're an integral part. I mean, everyone's integral here at Wickham Wanderers. You look like you're reveling in it now, especially with the older players like Akin Fenwa. Yeah, um, I'm normally a really quiet person, but obviously the boys made me feel a lot welcome. And um, obviously it's a real tight unit. And, it, um, yeah, we've got some funny ones in the change room, so it, it allows everyone to be a bit free and be themselves. So, yeah, especially, like, um, B's a big leader, we got Blooms in there and JJ and, and players like Pato that, that liven up the team and Scotty Cashkit. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I love the environment. I love the team. It's probably the best, best team I've ever been in, of course. So, yeah, it's really good. Right, that's your lot for this week and also for this year. We'll be back in the new year with more Ringing the Blues. Big thanks to Vital Len, Justin Dealey, Namdi Offerbore, Ross in Norway and, of course, you for listening in. Have a great Christmas, everybody, and we'll be back soon. Come on, you Blues. <laughs>